Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. I can remember when I was a child going outside and playing with my friends down the street, and we would play all day. And then I have visions of my mom calling to come home for dinner or lunch or whatever time it was. And we just spent hours and hours being physically active and creating fun activities on our own to play outside. And there are times where I look at where we are today and I think, what is happening to childhood? You know, play is very serious business. It's so important for play to even start as early as infancy. Did you know that the brain doubles in size by the time you're 12 months old, and it triples in size by the time you're three. That's pretty amazing. And the reason why it does that is that when we are born, the newborn has these neurons or nervous system cells, and we're born with many of them, but they're not quite connected. Even within a month, we start to have some connections and then even more at nine months and two years and up until we're adults, the brain continues to develop and grow. Well, it's, it's the adult size by the time you're three, which blows my mind if you think about it. But those neuron connections continue to happen through adolescence, and young adulthood, even up to 25 and 26 years old. There are three things that make a difference in this growth and development from infancy on up, and that's nurturing, nutrition, and our experiences. Nutrition basically provides the building blocks that we need for our brain to grow. Experiences help us put those nervous cells together and remember things along the way as we grow and develop. And nurturing is just as important because we need, our children need to have that nurturing environment. And it can be a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a neighbor, but having an adult in a child's life that is nurturing to them is what makes the difference. When kids play, we need to help them find new experiences. Think of it as to play equals to explore. It could be using all the five senses, for example, you know, taste and touch and smell, for example, and muscle movements and body positioning. And while they're doing all these things, they're building skills. Let's just talk about baby that learns to walk. 
it takes motivation, it takes persistence, and they test out these body movements as they go. If you've ever seen a baby learn to walk, you know what I'm talking about. They have this perception of their space around them. They take an action to walk and maybe they fall. And it has a cycle of these consequences as they go. And they practice and they refine until it gets to the point where they can walk. And then honestly, it becomes an automatic behavior. Let's look at another thing like a ball. What is a ball? If we hand an infant a ball, and they're at the age where, you know, maybe around six to, to nine months when they can start to grasp it and pull it towards them, change it from one hand to the other. The first thing they're going to do with a ball is they're going to put it in their mouth. So it's kind of funny the way they explore things. But then as time goes on, they refine and practice and learn that this ball bounces, that it is fun to throw as they grow and develop. And then it gets to a point where it's automatic, where you can give them anything that is a ball, any kind of ball, and they know how to use it. I just get so thrilled and become amazed at the development of the brain and how babies and toddlers learn and grow. But how can we as adults help these babies? One of the most important thing is talking face to face. Look at the baby, sing, touch, smile, respond, almost like you're having a conversation with them. I know that they're not saying words back to you, but they are responding. And that is one of the best ways to help their brain grow and develop. Give them new things to play and new places to explore. Point and name things and smile and celebrate new skills as you see them. Talk is also parenting play. I mentioned it a little bit about that, you know, face to face, but even as they get older, there's something called return, serve and return. And this goes for any age, even adolescence, but it's parenting play basically. So you talk to them and they might coo back at you, or you might say ball and they're old enough to say ball back. And it's just really fun. But that serve and return is so important for them. It helps with their experiences, their nurturing. And it builds those little synapses or connections as I, as I spoke about. Play also teaches communication. So zero to 12 months, play, you can play with sounds. As they get older, one to two, play with words. Three to five, songs, rhythms, chants. And then, of course, in the preschool age, play with grammar. Pretend play is so fun. It basically gives you a vision of what the kid sees. A lot of times you'll see them acting like adults. I can remember playing teacher. I'm sure everybody out there who's ever played teacher, raise your hand. 
or teacher, you know, one was the teacher, one was the student. I always wanted to be the teacher. (laughs) But be creative. And that's also another way to serve in return. And it's really what serve in return is about is communication. It's talking to them and then listening. Sharing, sharing the pretend play. Maybe we're pretending to take care of a little baby, or maybe we're pretending to cook. And you don't need fancy toys in order to do this. You can basically get Tupperware, for example, and wooden spoons and have a lot of fun with some easy things that are just around the house. But this allows the child to practice important skills. They learn to think, they have memory, they communicate, they plan, and it also builds self-control. I learned once that in the toddler age group, you know, as the brain grows, think about this. When they're babies, you know, under 12 months or so, they're so pleasant. They smile, they coo, they're just chill with the world, right? And then all of a sudden, somewhere between a year and a year and a half or two, we get those terrible twos. Sometimes I think the terrible twos can start earlier than two, but you get my point. Why does that happen? Why are all of a sudden they're so ang- not anxious, but you know tan- they have tempers and tantrums, and their life is so you know tumultuous? Like what happened? Well, what is happening in the brain is the middle part of the brain during that time period is really growing, and that's where their emotion, their um, you know their their anxiety, like stress, like that area, that's the the area of the brain that does that. And so that area is growing during that time period. And so understanding that can sometimes help us understand the toddler and what they're going through. Ironically, that same area of the brain is also growing during adolescence. I used to say, and I've said this in another podcast, someday I'm going to write a book called Toddlers and Teenagers. Other ways that we can play that teach too is rough and tumble play. I remember we didn't have any living room furniture in our house. And that room, because there was nothing in it, became the room that the boys like to wrestle with, especially with their father. And what that teaches them is also self-control because they learn that there are certain types of rough and tumble play that's okay. And they also learn to make decisions of what can take it a little too far. Practicing motor skills, such as like locomotor skills, like where your body is in space, like running and hopping and skipping, galloping, slide, leaping, jumping. As they get older, these skills become more fine-tuned. But if they don't get an opportunity to do this in those early ages as they develop, they're going to become less coordinated. They're going to have more difficulty later in life to be able to participate in activities that might require parts of those skills. Another way to practice uh, motor skills is also object control, learning to manipulate objects. We know in infancy, they start, they 
holding their bottle, for example, or a cup. And then as they become around a year, you know, in the year to year and a half, they start to learn to work with the fork and buy 18 months a spoon. They know to throw, bounce. They learn eventually to kick, catch, roll, you know, stack things, solve puzzles, draw, color, and even finger paint. So how can adults help, how can we as adults help children at these older ages? Well, at one, some fun things, talk, read, listen, laugh, respond. Remember that serve and return I talked about? And then by two, work on pretend play. And then by three, encourage those different motor skills. At two years old, kids can what I call parallel play. So they can start to play next to someone or other children. And by three, they start to interact with other kids. I'd like to mention recess for a minute because we do know that during the pandemic, when kids weren't in school, this, you know, they weren't getting that physical structure like they were when and routine on almost a daily and, you know, daily basis with recess. And I just want to remind everybody that recess is so important for their learning. Physical activity helps build their academic success as well. Playing with others, they learn they through two different types of play. One is structured play and one is free play. So structured play is where it's a specific game with maybe a specific rule or and and so on and they learn to follow directions and work with others and so on. And then free play is just giving them an opportunity to come up with their own ideas in their own time and 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 create those developmental skills just by giving them an opportunity to play on their own. Sometimes it can be hard finding places to play. And I'm going to talk about, too, some um, some fun indoor activities, maybe because you're not feeling as comfortable going places where there are other people around because of the pandemic. But also maybe you live in an area where the weather's not that great and you're trying to come up with fun ideas for kids to do inside. But play is good for all of us. It builds strength. It builds muscles and coordination, burns calories, and lowers anxiety and stress. And it raises self-esteem and really creates confidence and helps them with required social skills. And it also improves attention and behavior. The pandemic created what I call the perfect storm. Due to the pandemic, we've kind of created an environment that can increase childhood obesity. Due to confinement, social isolation, school closures, and thankfully we're not dealing with it as much, but maybe in certain areas of the country or even outside this country globally, we still have families that do not have the opportunity for kids to go places and play. Some youth sports and activities have changed. There's loss of structure and routine. Sleep is so irregular. And then there are some inequities, health inequities, like food insecurity, economic loss or insecurity with 
with food, like I mentioned. And let's not forget increase in fast food and processed food consumption. And that leads to lack of energy and increased social media consumption and screen time. And this causes so much increased stress and mental effects. And being stuck in the inside in winter months only compounds it. I mentioned a lot of things about the benefits of physical activity and play, but let's talk about like the healthy things too, like cardiorespiratory fitness, and it controls weight, it controls blood sugar, it reduces stress and anxiety, like I mentioned. It improves sleep. And this isn't just for kids. This is this is for adults as well. It improves balance and coordination and flexibility and boosts confidence. And as I mentioned, it improves attention, concentration, processing, speed, like memory, cognition, and academic performance. And it directly relates to strengthening the immune system. And right now, more than ever, that's what we are we want to do. We want to strengthen our immune system in a way that's healthy. I always get parents that ask me, is there anything that they can take, you know, to prevent them from getting sick and things like that? And that goes back to those three things I mentioned earlier, nutrition, nurturing, and experiences. And those all help with our immune system as well. There's so much power in play. It not only promotes those physical and social emotional development, but it helps with self-regulating skills that kids need to build executive function and pro-social brains. So we need to provide this opportunity to engage fully with our kids. And I want parents to do that, you know, form a safe, stable, and nurturing relationship between any caregiver and children. And this is what they need to thrive. It's an ascent play is an essential part of that. And it, it is also an essential part in the presence of childhood adversity. The power of play helps us learn skills, problem solving, collaboration, and creativity. It, it develops social skills that enable kids to, like I said, follow directions, follow rules, resolve conflicts, and focus on tasks, sometimes without a constant supervision. And that basically is like the free play, like I mentioned. And what it does is it modulates and buffers adversity and it downregulates that body stress response. It also provides for opportunities for socialization and impulse control. And it builds leadership skills, teamwork, negotiation skills, and independent thinking. I could go on and on. It's directly related to related to like language and literacy, and it fosters curiosity, imagination, joy, empathy, resilience, and and uh, persistence too. And it basically boosts energy and gives you a positive outlook on life. As I mentioned before, physical activity needs to start in the infant years. So I'm going to give you some time frames that might surprise you a little. 
infants basically need to be physically active several times a day throughout the day. One to three, they need at least 180 minutes. That's three hours at any intensity of play. And three to five, it's still again about three hours a day or 15 minutes for every hour they're awake. And we like to encourage as they get older, including this three to five year age, that 60 minutes of that should be moderate to vigorous activity. And six to 17 year olds, again, 60 minutes daily. But this can be accumulative. I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, you know, all right, everybody, we're going to play for three hours. You know, it can be cumulative, sorry, (laughs) it can be cumulative throughout the day, 10 to 15 minute increments. And that's okay. And I'm going to show you some fun ways to do it. We also want to at least three days a week, build muscle and bone. And for those that aren't meeting these guidelines, let's create some fun ways to do it and do it gradually. Me saying, okay, your seven-year-old needs to play and, and be physically active for an hour and you're not doing that and trying to do that, you know, right away, start with just like, we're going to do this for 10 minutes a day and then build from there. So I I really want you to be successful with that. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it can be in increments throughout the day and you can start slow. Don't feel like you've got to like go from zero to a hundred right away. There's different types of physical activity. There's light, you know, where it's easy to talk and this could be chores or walking or playing catch or shooting hoops or active video games. Then you get to like moderate and uh, vigorous, and that's maybe where it gets from difficulty to talk to unable to um, really talk at all. You start to feel warm and sweaty, you know, maybe your face gets a little bit red, your heartbeat is going up a little bit. And muscle strengthening is pushing and pulling and lifting, either with your own body weight or with objects right around the house. And bone strengthening are more weight-bearing impacts like running, jumping rope, or tumbling. All of those are essential to build what I call physical literacy, which basically is the ability and confidence and desire to be physically active for life. As I mentioned before, this ability includes competence in these fundamental movement skills, which emerges from infancy through early childhood, early middle school child, and then, of course, honed in by the time they're pre-adolescence and adolescence. Play-based fitness is just as important. You don't have to go and sign up your child for something specifically and spend a lot of money. Entertaining active play can be strategically structured to include something that's age-appropriate for your child that result in that optimal physical and mental health and that lifelong love for being active. And if you do it together and connect that physical activity to health, eventually you connect that physical activity to happiness. Many times, especially when I'm talking to adolescents, I talk about happiness chemicals that we can all create naturally. And there's so 
much benefit to these happiness, um, to physical activity and the connection between these happiness, natural happiness chemicals that come from our body without taking any sort of drug. I have the opportunity to be a part of something called Parenting and Mealtime and Playtime through the Ohio AP. And there's an app for Parenting and Mealtime and Playtime and that you can you can find and it's got great ideas. It's got resources, um, tracking uh, resources also that you can use that give you ideas about play, whether it's outdoor or indoor. There's also a ton of nutritional information from infancy all the way up. And you can also go to the Ohio AAP website and find these resources as well. And I highly recommend looking into it because it's such a great program and I, I'm so proud to be a part of it. So let's talk about inside play. Like I'm giving you all these, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. But then I'd be thinking to myself, well, Dr. Sarah, it is like 20 degrees outside and, or it's raining and you're talking about all this stuff that I need to do, but how do I do it? Well, YouTube, and we all know that kids love watching YouTube. There are a lot of YouTube way, you know, activities that you can look up and that promotes physical activity. I'll give you some example. There is Zumba Kids, which is really fun. There's Kids Bop Dance Along Videos. Uh, there's also something called Kids Strong cosmic kids yoga and so on. And so there's some really fun ways for you to play and you don't even have to come up with how to do it. And like I said, kids just adore YouTube. So I think it, you'll get, you'll, you'll get them and they'll want to do it just because it's so super cool to them. But what are some activities and games that you can do without a screen or without having to use YouTube, for example. One day I went over to my sister's and she babysits her grandchildren. And my niece and my nephew and my two nieces and my nephew were sitting there on their, on their tablets, which they do have structured screen time. So that's cool. But I came in and I thought, all right, guys, it's pouring down rain right now. Let's all put our tablets away and we're going to have some fun games. So I'll tell you some of the ones that we did. One was tail tag. They loved it. So basically think of it like tag football or yeah, um, flag football. Sorry. Think of it like flag football. What you do is you just take a grocery bag, plastic grocery bag, and you stick it in the back of your pants like a tail. And what's really cool about playing tail tag is that if you don't have a lot of space, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot of space, just playing tag alone, you know, it's easy like tag, you're it. I just reached you, Duh. you know, but what it does is it get, you know, they have to kind of maneuver around and try to grab the tail. And then we kind of did it too with like animal freeze tag, where when you pulled the bag out, then you had to freeze yourself in the position of an animal. And we did this until 
everybody was caught. And then the kids took turns. Oh my gosh. Even to this day, when I go over to their house or to my sister's house, they're like, can we play that game again? Another one that we played is we got a bunch of rolled socks and then we got a laundry basket. And we pretended that the laundry basket first, we did it like shooting hoops. So you had to like see how many of these socks you could get into the laundry basket. And then the kids themselves came up with the idea of actually having a person hold the laundry basket and they could move around and the other person had to stand on like a special spot and see how many they could toss in while the other one was moving around. And then we also did it by could the person holding the basket catch it, you know, and the other person kind of threw it in different directions. So, and they came up with that themselves, which I just loved that they had the idea and the structure and we had a blast. Another one we did is we took a deck of cards and what I told them is every person's going to chance to flip the card. And when it was their turn, they had to come up with a physical activity that whatever the number on the card was, that was how many we had to do. So let's say it's my turn and I said, we're going to do jumping jacks. And then I would flip the card. And if I got the 10, then we had to do 10 jumping jacks. And we all counted to 10 at the same time. It was really fun. Everybody was, you know, coming up with some fun ideas and you could do that in a very small space. There's other things that you can do like obstacle courses. There's also one we haven't tried that I really think I'm going to do next time is something called eating healthy eating truth or trash. And you can make this however you want, where if you say, okay, I'm going to, we're going to talk about healthy eating and then you name a food. And if it's healthy, then you get to do two steps forward. If it's not healthy, then you have to not move at all. And then what happens is if you move and it's something that's not healthy, then you're out. You can also try to create like a scavenger hunt or obstacle course, as I mentioned. And another one that's kind of cool is beat the clock where you set a timer and then you turn chores into play and say, I want to see if you can do this before the clock runs out. Other Things like, let's say if you've got a balloon, and I'm always cautious around balloons because of choking, so please, you know, make sure um, no choking. <laughs> but balloon balloons can be used for so many things. You could play balloon volleyball. You can have something like where you hit the balloon and it's not allowed to touch the ground. You can take tennis rackets or racquetball rackets if they have it, and they could hit the balloon back and forth. And that's so easy and fun. Have a dance party. The floor can be lava. Like, have you ever done that where you have cushions or pillows and you have to try to get from one to the other? Although, please be careful because we did do that or something kind of like that at my house. And my poor darling great niece broke her foot. So please make sure you're supervising. You could also make board games active, like assign a movement to a space on the board or a number on the dice. I kind of equate it to like a drinking game. Not that I am recommending drinking games, certainly not for your children, uh, but it's kind of the same process where you hit, you hit a spot on the board or you roll like a, 
you know, seven, which is one of the easiest numbers to roll when you have two dice, then everybody has to do an activity. They'll love it. But don't be afraid to go outside. Get some fresh air. Layer up. You could build snowman. Have a a snow shovel relay. An outdoor scavenger hunt or obstacle course. This just, again, you know, getting them outside and getting that fresh air can be so beneficial too, depending on where you live and what the weather is like. I'd like to leave you with a quote from someone by the name of Joseph Lee. And this is from 1915. It is the supreme seriousness of play that gives it its educational importance. Play seen from the inside as the child sees it is the most serious thing in life. Play builds the child. Play is the essential part of education. I hope that this podcast has enlightened you to really understand the power of play. And don't forget to listen to my podcast on wherever you like to listen to your shows, such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And let's grow up and play together.